welcome to the Independent Thinking Show for Fifth Risk Radio. This is a place dedicated to showcasing the great people doing interesting things in the world of horology. My name is Roman and today I'm joined by my good friend Klaus at Tapir FFM. Hello Hi. Klaus. Hi Roman. It always feels like ages since we met last time. It does. It is. You're right. We, we sort of do these things in little batches. So we record two or three in a row, then we sort of disappear and then we, <laughs> we come back together. So, but yes, yeah, so it's always, it's always a pleasure to see you. The, the exciting thing though is every time we come together, we have this sort of super cool guest, which thanks to you, you tend to bring on the show as well. You tend to stalk people and in a nice way. <laughs> and bring yeah, him on I hope podcast. so. Yes, well, we're about to find out. Um, so today, uh, I am very, very excited. We have one of the most interesting uh, people, I think, certainly working in the, in the independent space, and we're going to be talking about a brand who I am, I've been doing a deep dive into. Um, I, the brand's Armin Stroman, we've got Mr. Claude Griesler with us, um, and I can't wait for this conversation to roll out. So, so Claude, welcome to Fifth Race Radio. It's so lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. As we were chatting off mic, um, you know, we really only talk to people whose work we admire or interested in. And typically I would, I have a small group of friends who I talk about who I'm going to bring on the show and a good friend of my, of ours, a mutual friend, Asher Rapkin um, at Collective Horology. I sort of mentioned that we're going to be having this conversation. Asher was like, oh, Claude, this dude's amazing. You should absolutely, you know, absolutely, you love him. So uh, it's always good. You know, it's one of the things I, I, we've never met before, but, you know, when good, pe- good, good people are known. So, yes, it, I couldn't think of a higher endorsement. So I am very, 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 uh, very glad to have you on the show. Um, before we kick off, you know, we have a very loose kind of relaxed structure in here. We tend to start with a drink, cho- drink check, uh, location check, and a risk check. Now, it's always very exciting when we have somebody who comes in, particularly from a uh, company like Ironman Storm. I can't wait to see what your risk check is. Hopefully, it's <laughs> not a Casio, and ho- hopefully, it's not a Rolex Explorer too, or something ludicrous like that. Uh, <laughs> but we're about to find out. All right. Excellent. Yes, maybe, maybe let's go. Let's go with you, Claude. Tell us where you are. Tell us if you are drinking anything. But most importantly, tell us if there's anything on your wrist ticking away. <laughs> so I'm I'm in uh, Bilbien, uh, where our in the factory. Um, I'm actually in an empty workshop because wow. we do some modifications in our small manufactory. That's an old building which was owned by Rolex, because the Rolex movement um, production is also in Biel or in Vienna. Mm, of course. And um, was owned by Rolex. They did some micro-stamping parts for uh, the movement production. And we were able in 2009 um, to buy the building um, from Rolex. And um, the way how we were set up in the past was, it was like production, CNC production for the raw parts, decoration, workshops for the watchmakers, marketing, sales, everything under one roof. The demand got bigger in Armstrong. Um, we had to source out all the CNC machines. And this oh. is why I'm standing now in a very empty uh, <laughs> workshop, which supposed to be the decoration workshop um, in January. Right. That's where oh. I am, to give you an idea. What oh. I drink, I drink, I drink coffee. It's uh, just a quarter past one, um, so I have my coffee. 
and I'm wearing, and I'm lucky because actually it's the very first time I do wear oh. the new generation um, uh, manufacturer edition blue of the Mirrored Force Resonance. Oh. Wow. Um, I do own the first Mirrored Force Resonance, which is my daily watch. Um, but, you know, I do wear the Resonance now for more than six years. I just sent the case out because I'm a bit picky if it comes to scratches on the case. <laughs> really? So I'm the guy who is sending his case like at least once a year to do, <laughs> to give it for repolishing. And I was lucky enough that there was a, that there was a new Mirrored Resonance in our collection, which I could wear. So it's very cool. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, that's magnificent. I know the podcast is an audio visual medium, but uh, sorry, an, uh, an, an audio medium, but take our word, everyone. Claude just flashed this most beautiful watch on, on the wrist camera. He's definitely won the wrist check. I don't even know what Klaus is wearing, uh, but Claude, you've won the, the wrist check for sure. I agree. No, no I agree. Questions, no questions asked. Um, I mean, congratulations on, on the factory, obviously, and it's, I'm sure it's going to be tremendous. Um, did you have to exercise any ghosts? Is there, is there a ghost of Hans Wilsdorf haunting the, the factory? Did you need to sort of do an exorcism or something? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. no. Okay. But it was fun that the, the, that the previous owner of Rolex, and so, you know, the Rolex was always owned uh, by, by a family in Geneva, Sure. And there was the, the the movement production BLBN was a family-owned business that got sold. Of course, mm -hmm. yes. Almost now, I would say, twenty years ago, it got sold to Rolex. And the guy, Mister Borrer, who was building up the factory, the movement manufacturing for Rolex, sent me a letter when when he when he uh, oh, learned wow. that we that we we started a new. A watch manufacturer in his previous building yeah. and he was back in those days he was 70 he disappeared he was 72 years old or 74 years old and he, he sent me a a, a, a letter so a handwritten letter like oh, all bless. good luck because i'm an engineer and i know to challenge oh, you we're gonna focus and that was cool yeah. that's really wonderful that that is really really wonderful i i guess from uh you know what what in my mind i think you know if you were a big uh, what am I to say? You know, if you were part of a big conglomerate, uh, you could already see the marketing. If you had a marketing department, I could already see the marketing department thinking along the lines of the Zenith watch company. Uh, you know, thinking of the story of oh, we we went to the attic. And we op found a thing, and you know, like the, the the Charles Vermeaux thing, you know, where we opened an attic, and it was old movements, and we could repacture the original manufacturing <laughs> edition or something. So that's very cool. Well, look, congratulations, of course, on on the factory. That's very cool. Always wonderful to see independent watchmakers. You know, I, I like when you said the phrase, "the demand got bigger." That's a wonderful thing to hear. <laughs> you know, it's pure enthusiast. So. It's great. It's hopefully you're building better. You're building more. That's that's awesome. That's really really wonderful. All right, Klaus, we'll throw to you. Try to follow that. <laughs> um, I'm in Frankfurt, so that's actually better. Um, wow. I'm drinking. I'm that's it's fine. in the same time zone, so I'm drinking coffee as well. But at least I'm drinking La Semeuse from from La Chaux-de-Fonds, a coffee <laughs> cool. which is roasted at thousand meters altitude. Um, and on my wrist for today, you, you may guess it, Roman. On my wrist is my Oxen Junior Day Night. Oh, yes. Oh, because yes. Oh, okay. for, a, for a show like this, I need to get my best uh, watch, which I, which I own on my wrist. And in, actually, in some 
aspects is just the opposite of Armin Strom watches. Um, it, it, it's got to have scratches, actually. And it's, it's not finished at all. You don't even see the movement. Not even the case is finished. It's just like it is, comes out of the CNC machine. And in some aspects, it's very similar because it's the focus on real watch making, on usability, on no compromise. So I thought this is the only watch which uh, I can wear today for that for that recording. No, that's very good. That, that's that's a very good. I, I do love that watch. That is that is um, you know just like I love Iron Man watches. Your watch could not be more different, but it is very very cool. Well, I, I will guess I, I'll go. I'll go last. Um, so I am not in Europe. I am in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I am not drinking coffee either. Um, I am actually having my traditional. Uh, it's a gin and tonic in a mug. Uh, so because it's eleven o'clock, it's after eleven p.m. So I just put my son down for, to sleep. Uh, he's asleep, thankfully now. So you know, it's, it's a well-deserved <laughs> mug of gin and tonic here, uh, which is good. Uh, now, once again, on my wrist as well, um, I try to match or for a wrist checks, I try to do something that would be thematically useful. Now, unfortunately, I do not own an Armin Strom as yet. Um, I don't have a watch with a mechanism, anything to do with resonance yet. Uh, and we should talk about resonance. But uh, what about, like you, class, I tried to come up with, I needed something. So I went with sort of the most avant-garde watch I could find that was at least thematically interesting, you know. So so I went with a Romain Jerome uh, ah. uh, Romain Jerome uh, spacecraft. This is a spacecraft. So this is a, a move. It's a, the watch with a movement designed by Agenor. Uh, it's a designed by Eric, Eric Giroux, the watch was. So I think there is some, the spirit of interesting design and interesting movement technology is in this. Um, so that was as close as I could get spiritually <laughs> to, to, to Iron Man Strom. Um, I don't have any watches with skeletonization anymore either, so I couldn't even link to the original Iron Man Strom, the man. So uh, anyway, but hopefully, you know, hopefully at some point we will <laughs> we'll pass this. But, um, yeah, so that that's me. That That's me. So very good. Uh, Cla- Claude definitely won this. There's, I mean, it's not a competition, but, Claude, you definitely <laughs> win the wrist check. Without it, without a doubt. Yeah, but uh, congratulations to both of you. I mean, these are both very good, very nice watches. I like both of them. Just thanks. to give you an intro, I met uh, Mr. Erkslin when I did my uh, studies in watch restoration. He was the head of the museum in La Chaux-de-Fonds. Right. Um, this this is I the like, first yeah. time I met him um, yes. during my education in watch restoration. And uh, yeah, Roman Jerome is a good... I think this is the area when... Um, when um, Emmanuel M was at uh, yes, um, and yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a genius. If it comes to product, uh, a guy who I have, do have a lot of respect for, if it yeah, comes to wow. product, he's a very smart, nice guy, good friend, Swiss German as well. So he's <laughs> oh, a there cool you go. Guy. I was I was more aligned. That's that's lovely. That that's lovely to hear. Um, yes, look, I think actually that's probably a really good way for us to to get into it. So Claude, maybe a good place for us to start is maybe. Tell our listeners who don't know about you how you ended up with at Armin Strom, you and Serge. You know how so originally it was a watch it was a watch brand, Armin Strom was a man. Tell us kind of how you ended up running this amazing, incredible brand now. Okay, yes. So the 
the short version of it is that Mr. Armstrong, myself, and Serge, we are both um, out of a village close to the capital of Switzerland, which is called uh, Burgdorf, close to Bern. And a lot of people there are, fa- they are familiar with this Emmental cheese. So yeah. that's, that's, that's Burgdorf is the door of the Emmental Valley. Ah. Armstrong started his watch career in Burgdorf. Myself and Serge uh, went to kindergarten together, graduated in school together, uh, oh, both wow. born 1978. We do know Armstrong since we are child, um, <laughs> because he was like a, a local legend, you know, in the in the 80s, uh, early 90s. You know, wow. driving a Jaguar E-Type in such in a village where you have more cows than people living. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the the guy flew with the Concorde to New York to deliver his handmade watches. So he was Amazing. famous in our village. My wow. background is I'm born in a watchmaker family. My grandparents they were already um, um, working in the in the watch uh, industry, and they were watchmakers. Um, I graduated as a watchmaker, as I mentioned at first, watchmaker school, then mm. graduated in watch restoration, um, became an engineer for movement development and um, worked for an independent uh, movement company in Le Locre. And Serge, um, after we, he quit uh, high school, he's um, continued his studies in marketing and sales. Um, mm. Was um, as You know, I remember... Serge was the first guy who owned more than one swatch. Everybody had to right. wear a swatch when we were, <laughs> but Serge was the guy who collected swatches. Wow. This is how his this is how his uh, journey in watches uh, started. So he was always passionate about watches, a big watch collector, and um, yeah, one day he, Serge called me up and said, "You know, listen." Um, Armin uh, is, is, is looking for somebody who would take over his, his, his business. And why should we not take over our local heritage of watchmaking? Because it, the, the, the brand base is cool. It's skeletonized. So you're a watchmaker. I'm a watch lover. So it's all about watch movements. And um, yeah, the, 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 the way how Armin Strom finished, the focus he had on finishing, you know, back in those days, skeletonizing, were maybe the best finished uh, wrist watches were the skeletonized watches. And mm. we said, okay, no, mm-hmm. this is a match. And um, yeah, so we met Armin Strom in, 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 a, in a coffee shop in Burgdorf. And this is how, how everything started. <laughs> Amazing. I, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely story. And I think for, uh, for our listeners as well, you know, if you want to find out more, particularly about uh, Claude's background, Armin Strom's background, um, we'll put a link to it. Have a listen to a few episodes of the Keeping Time podcast that you've been a frequent guest of, of Jeremy Oster's. And, and over a few episodes, you've sort of, over the years, you've, you've talked about the story. And absolutely, we'll, we'll link to that. And it's a really cool, it's a really cool thing. And shout out to, to Jeremy. He runs an amazing podcast as well. I always listen to that as well. It, it, Claude, I find your background so interesting because you, you you know you're a master watchmaker you came from restoration and that's sort of working on really antique or really complicated pieces when i look at armin strom now it's such a forward facing forward thinking avant-garde design brand and design language it's so interesting that how does your background in restoration help with kind of making what you do now um, I think the innovation part to be innovative 
and to the, if it comes to hand finishing, my goal then this is what I you know if, if you do watch restoration, you have to be able to first of all to fix all the watches, but then you also have to give a, 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 a value to watches. You know, is it a good watch? Does it worth to keep it? You know, how should we restorate? Sure. Yeah, how sure. was it made? And therefore, it was like we always first thing we did we disassembled the movement, and we took a closer look of how. The movement was made mm -hmm. how much yeah. time they spent in finishing in how the parts were made uh, on which level the, the the watch was produced and this definitely still is a big big influence of the quality which we put or the effort in hand finishing in in, in production mm -hmm. quality mm -hmm. which we put into the watches and then it's innovation because if you go back in watch restoration, every new watch had a purpose. Either the watch became more precise or the watch did, um, had an additional uh, indication. So there was always a purpose. There was not, most of the pocket watches, they were not fashion driven. Sure. They were mm -hmm. driven by a purpose. And this is what we try in Armin Strom, either to make the movement more precise, to have a better transmission, a longer power reserve indication or a unique date indications of innovation mm. is important. Right. I mean, Breguet, uh, Antichonvier, those guys, they are known because they were inventors. Yeah. They sure. created amazing sure. watch movements. And this is what we try to do in Armin Strom. It's more than just three hands, a barrel and the gear train and an escapement. We want to go, we want to pro produce movements which do have a purpose of being better. Mm. Right. And it is so interesting you say that because um, in the nicest way, your watches are probably the most interesting technically uh, precise watches because what I'm finding really interesting is you, you're dedicated to precision and very few watch companies are actually dedicated to precision, you know, making sure that uh, the, the accuracy, but the stability of rate is really, is really what you're after. And I find that really interesting because very few watch companies, even big companies really focus on that, you know, whether it's equal force or resonance, you do have this amazing um, spirit in, in, in our instrument, which I find really interesting. And it must be really challenging because it's not just you're not just making pretty watches and they are very handsome. You're actually technically excellent, which is a really hard thing to, to achieve. So well done, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this was it was when we when we started to take over. I mean, Armin Strom, he was not his annual production was not big because hand skeletonizing is you're very limited to what you're able to do. And then he was also he got hired by Omega, so. His yes, annual production, he was not a, a known independent, he was known in our village. A few sure. of the collectors do know him from his skeleton background, but he was not uh, a, a, a big, he, yeah, it was a one-man show, let's say like this. Not, not, um, a, not a brand as we would think about no, it now. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, to build up the brand, to, to, to bring Armin Strong, to, to open up, the, or to, to create a, a movement factory, to do our own movements, to have a wider, um, a wider uh, uh, range of, of in-house movements. Um, yes, this was, I think quality was from the beginning. The reason why we did our own movements is because we wanted to be better 
than what the mass suppliers offered. That was in 2009, where not yeah. a lot of independents were able to do their own movements. That's just sure. that was art of independent watchmaking. And, and we said, okay, no, let's do things better. If we do them in-house, so let's do them from scratch better. As soon as we start, and we do everything in-house. That's maybe also a difference to, to many other independent brands is that we, some of them, they focus on, 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 on the finishing, some of them more of the, of the assembling. And in our room, it's from scratch, mm-hmm. from, from a drawing, hand drawing, computer 3D modeling of the movements, production of the raw parts, finishing, assembling, everything is under one roof. And then you're also under control. I mean, we, we decide on which brass, which steel, which, mm. uh, which, which, which raw material we use to produce the watch. And that's, that means we are from very the beginning, we are under control of the whole process. How, how much actually are you doing yourself? I, I've seen a video somewhere, I think on your homepage, uh, that even electroplating is, is, is done in-house. Um, which parts of the of the whole production process are you doing yourselves, and which parts are you sourcing out because it makes sense, or do you try to do everything, like even cases or whatever? No, we do source out the cases. We do source out dials. I would say ninety percent of the dials are outsourced. Ten percent mm-hmm. are made in house if they're like if they're technical and um, more finished in a movement way. Then we do them in house. We do right. all the hands in house. Um, I love the hands, by the way. <laughs> the, 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 our watchmakers they refuse to put mass production produced hands because they said they, they they told us that they do not fit the quality of the movement parts. They said it would mm-hmm. be it would be uncool to have a movement finished in such a high level and then putting mass produced hands. Uh, <laughs> sure. So this is why we do the hands. We do yeah. the hands in house. So if it comes to the movement. Um, so main plate, bridges, gear train, barrels, screws, axes, pinions, escapement wheels, uh, balance wheel. Everything is made in house. We do have wow. a supplier for the mainspring, mm-hmm. um, for the jewels, of course, the rubies, and the hairspring. Mm-hmm. But all the other parts are made in house. Amazing! And also, wow. there's even so we are such. The, 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 the production we we were building up with all the CNC machines, the know-how we have, we even do supply friends which do have other independent brands. We supply them with uh, with spare parts because you know once 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 we were building up everything, so everybody was like, "Ah, oh, can you do? Please do me a bridge, <laughs> do me a reel, do me. Can you not give me a hand for do some screws?" And so we have a few partners where we do deliver we do deliver them uh, uh, spare parts. Yeah. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can. In my head, I'm already seeing those conversations. Oh, while you're making bridges, can you do, can you do a short run for me? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, well, look, let, let's. <laughs> that's very funny. Um, let's let's actually go through. I mean, the, the creations that you're making, the models that you're making, the the technology behind them is is absolutely amazing. The, the fact that you do so much in house is is incredible on one side. But let's, if we could go through some of the models just to explain to our listeners kind of the the ideas behind the beautiful watches but the idea of the technology is incredible so if we look at something like the the gravity equal force platform and you've done a number of watches if you can explain to people listening who might have seen the watch because i think the watch is very distinctive and people would recognize with you know with those two there's two bridges thing um 
people would recognize the, the, the appearance. It's a very striking watch. But sort of how would you explain to people why you decided to make a watch with sort of this automatic watch with a constant force transmission? What was the what was the idea that you wanted to achieve with that watch? The uh, So as you mentioned, gravity equal force. Gravity stands for automatic winding. We have a micro rotor. Mm. Which is visible on the on the dial side. Amazing. Actually, the micro rotor is quite uh, pocket watch inspired. If you, it's cool with this okay. with with the with the with the with the ratchet system on top with the two springs. So it's a very cool, yeah, like, contemporary pocket watches inspired micro yeah. rotor. And so then cool. we have uh, we have a long power reserve on the um, on the gravity equal force. And we had a torque uh, issue in the barrel. So that means when you start to wind up the watch, um, there is for the first uh, few um, uh, hours, we did not have enough energy. You know, this curve, the, the, the curve, I think, which mm. everybody knows, the, the issue right. of not having enough torque at the beginning, then the torque becomes quite stable for a moment, and there's a little peak at the end. And... Therefore, there was this uh, Maltese crosses were development. Uh, we know Maltese crosses from several German and Swiss brands. The Maltese cross was only used by um, on hand winding watches. Yes. So the, 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 the idea of the Maltese cross mm -hmm. is that we that we have a stop work function. That means we do not we prevent the mainspring from completely unwinding. Mm -hmm. huh? And we also cut off the, the peak section, which we have once the watch is fully wound, something which you also can feel when you wind up a mechanical watch. At the end, the crown becomes harder, yeah, harder, yeah. harder, and then it stops. So that's, that's also a, an enemy. You don't want to have this high peak. So mm -hmm. the Maltese cross was supposed to, to equalize, to cut off the upper section and the lower section. The Maltese cross couldn't get combined with the automatic winding watch. Now it becomes a bit technical. If it's too technical, uh, geeky nerd, it just stopped me. No, um, that's what we're here for. That's what yeah, we're here exactly. for. <laughs> when you, There's no such thing as too nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this, uh, the, the mainspring in the automatic winding watch as a so-called slip function. That once the, move, the, the mainspring is fully wound, the rotor will continuously uh, spin, wind yeah. up the spin yeah. and wind up the movement. So, therefore, we have to guarantee that the main spring starts to slip inside of the barrel to prevent damages to the winding system. Yes. Yeah. The Maltese cross does not allow the main spring to slip in the barrel. So, we developed a declutch mechanism. So, we declutch the Maltese cross once the main spring is fully wound yeah. that the rotor can continuously spin, he can continuously wind up the movement even if the barrel is fully wound and the this Maltese cross um, is declutched mm. that means we, we, we take it out of the winding system and yes. as soon as the watch starts to if you, let's say, especially during a night when there is no movement on your wrist and you put your wrist on the, on, on the table or mm. therefore we re-engage the Maltese cross and the Maltese cross does prevent the mainspring from completely unwinding. So that's it's it. right. And that's the that's the invention. So we just use the optimum torque range. We don't have to handle the lower section and we don't yes. have to handle the high section. And 
on an automatic winding movement. That's a world premiere, let's say. Mm. Mm. And the reason why is because most of the automatic winding watches do have a lower power reserve than the hand winding watches are known to have a longer power reserve. Classic Mm. um, automatic watches, they already had like 42 hours, 48 hours. And when you start to cut the lower section and the (laughs) upper section, you end up at 26 or 27 (laughs) hours of power reserve. We had a very long power reserve. We now instead of having uh, now i think we have five days um if we would use the full range of uh, the mainspring we would maybe end up at six and a half but ah, we just take the five days yeah. in this optimum torque range mm. this is why it's called eco force and the good thing is the whole mechanism is built on the barrel the barrel is the most solid part in the watch every kind of constant force mechanisms they are always built either on the second wheel or in between second wheel and escapement wheel. And the torque is very low. The energy which you have to handle is very, is very difficult because the more torque you have, the better it gets, the less torque you have. Um, there is mm. more of friction problems uh, mm. coming. So I think for me, it's one of the best ways to have a very equal force on your on your on your barrel yeah absolutely i love here i love when when people who conceive and create of a thing explain it always gives it more life in my mind so thank you for that explanation that 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 that's fantastic to to hear how did the idea for that come to you did you start from a this is a problem in watchmaking and i want to fix it or did you think, oh, we've got this amazing platform. Let's see how far it can go. Like, what was the, you know, what what spurred you on? Actually, um, that's the first, maybe the first time I'm gonna tell this. But the the real story behind this is not marketing. <laughs> sure, story, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the reason sure. is my wife does wear a, 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 a previous Gravity of Armin Strong. Okay. And my wife is not a big, she loves watches, but she's not, if it comes to set up the hands, you know, we know, all know these issues, uh, <laughs> winding up the barrel. She's not, she's, I would say maybe a little bit lazy. So she, she likes if the color fits the outfit, but if the watch yeah. runs, it's not very important for her. Sure. So yeah. normally what she does, she takes the watch, she gives one or two spins to the crown. Right. The second hand starts to move. And for her, in her idea, it's like, okay, the watch runs. Yes. But there is not enough energy, and I can t- I could tell her like I don't know how many times. There's a long power reserve. You have to wind it up properly, <laughs> even if it's an automatic winding. Give at sure. least ten spins to your crown, which she thought that's a waste of time. Why should I wind up an sure. automatic yes. watch? I know that. Said, okay, well. why should? And then this was this was always a bit an issue, you know. And then the watch runs fast because the amplitude is not stable, the frequency is not stable. So in the gravity equal force, as soon as you start to wear the watch, you're in an optimum range. Right. No, even mm-hmm. so, perfect watch for my wife, I would say. <laughs> and then it's, you know, then one thing came to the other. We said, okay, no, it's definitely cool. The watchmakers have, have no issues anymore because there is no overpower and there yes. is no uh, low power to handle. So for, for them, the setup, I mean, they are more than happy to work on on gravity equal forces because that makes the setting uh, time setting much more easier than on the on the on the regular watch. 
Mm. Oh, wow. So, so it is true, you know, behind every watch <laughs> inventor, there is a great woman saying, no, no, this needs to work immediately and better. <laughs> Oh, fantastic! That 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 that's lovely. Ah, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I think the horological world owes your wife a big thank you because, you know, if she wasn't nagging you to make this better, we wouldn't have this beautiful yes. thing that is endlessly, endlessly, endlessly fascinating. It, it is really interesting that that you solve a very technical isochronism problem but you managed to solve it in this really elegant way, you know, that, and also, as you said, with such a long power reserve, because, you know, because there have been other watches where they do limit that power reserve and, you know, they goes into the red, you know, on the power, sometimes the power indicator with some models where they say, you know, well, we can only guarantee good timekeeping within this amount of time. So when the watch hits the really low power reserve, we declutch the mechanism so it stops running Whereas you've done it in a really clever, really clever way. Um, have you had, do you envisage this being a platform for adding other complications to it? Or do you think this on its own is kind of this perfect ideal of perfect timekeeping? You know, would you add a complication to this? Mm, so we the, the orbit is based on the gravity of yeah, course, of course. but it's a date yeah. function. It's not yes. improving uh, timekeeping. There's unfortunately... The resonance um, collection, where we have two movements in one watch, um, is from a, from, from, a, from, a, from a space um, problem. We cannot handle two micro rotors, two move barrels, two gear trains, two escapes sure. in one watch. So, uh, sure. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, and look, and I think there is something really beautiful in and, and horologically pure, if I can say, in having a watch that is dedicated to precision and isochronism in such a way there's actually something really beautiful about that kind of you know the gravity equal force being a watch purely dedicated to you know keeping the rate so so stable and perfect there is something really it harkens back to kind of what you were talking about before with your own background in sort of you know old uh, so antique watches or marine chronometers or something like that, which is a timekeeping device that is purely designed for, you know, isochronism at an excellent rate. That is something really beautiful, almost like a scientific instrument for the wrist, if you know what I mean. It's actually yeah, very exactly. clever. Yeah, yeah. It's a really clever, really, really, really clever thing. The next thing I think we should absolutely talk about, you brought up resonance. I mean, I think, and having speaking with, with local collectors, I think nobody does resonance in a more the horological concept of resonance in an interesting way as as well as Armin Strom. So maybe tell us why you decided to tackle resonance next. Why was that as such a com, uh, you know con, con, um, uh, concept? Is the word? Sorry, I was trying to reach for concept that you wanted to explore. What was so fascinating? Well, I was uh, the very first time I got in contact with with resonance was during my um, um, restoration um, degree, mm. and I had to study a double pendulum uh, clock, which was Jean, built by Andre Jean Vier. Andre Jean Vier, yeah, of course. And so that was in two thousand and one. So you know, can imagine that there was not many platforms uh, online where you could find <laughs> yeah. information. So you had to go sure. and dig 
they had to go and dig in the watchmaker books in the library to see what was written about resonance. And the fun thing was resonance was everywhere. Right. Everybody was talking about resonance. Okay. And there is this phenomenon of resonance that Jean-Vier did it and Breguet worked on resonance and mm. and François Paul Jun just launched his resonance. Yes, of course. But no research is done, so no sure. very technical explanation. Right. And um, I think my, I've, if I would go back, maybe my, 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 uh, my, the work I was, I, I wrote about the, the watch was maybe more based on history than on technical uh, research. Sure, sure. But resonance was, that was the first time I got in touch with resonance. And um, then graduated, uh, did some uh, movement work for other big companies, started to build up uh, Armin Strong. And then one day we had this idea of, uh, you know, flexible suspensions, transmissions. So we had a few, there's always a lot of ideas around because imagine in Armin Strom, we are all watch makers and watch nerds, as we said yes. before. Yeah, so like during, we, we have lunch break together. So everybody brings his own food. We have a table, small kitchen where we eat together and we constantly talk about watches and movements. Ah, what did people do? What should we do? How could we do things better? And uh, and so we had this idea of uh, of 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 resonance. Um, there was Rudy Silva having this double um, balance wheel with the with the gear train in between, and so we said, okay, why should we not, you know, maybe bring up a, 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 a spring or a flexible suspension in between the mm. two balances? That was an, a was was a very basic idea. So we started to build a watch with two balance wheels, started to to link the two studs, figured out that this somehow there is a resonance happening, but not on the control. Right. Okay. And as a watchmaker, we get trained to calculate and uh, to, to do the math for barrels, gear trains, uh, indications, sure. perpetual calendars, chronographs, but no no idea of how to develop a flexible suspension. Mm-hmm. And then by chance, it, often it happens by chance, a good friend of mine, his best friend was the, the, the CEO of the uh, university in Neuchâtel. And the university in Neuchâtel, the CSCM, is they are very known for flexible suspension systems for the oh. aerospace technology and they do a lot of developments in the watch industry. Right. They um, were building up the silicon uh, technology. Ah, um, okay, right. They did the silicon technology for Patek Philippe. There was the constant force from Girard Benego was developed yes. by them. So yeah, they, they the are involved in the many, many, many uh, 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 research processes in the watch industry. So we took our prototype, went to see the CEO, you know, friend of a friend, and, you know, just having <laughs> sure. a beer together and showed him and said, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, we could work together. You know, we could do this, this, this would cost you, I don't know, half a million Swiss. Wow. And we said, uh, half a million Swiss is, you know, as a young entrepreneur is uh, a lot of money. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> half a million, that means we could add three more CNC machines to our, uh, to our, to our workshop. And he said, yeah, but there, okay, there is another, we have another option. Did you try to make a patent? I said, yes, we already have the, the patent demand is going on <laughs> yeah. because we saw that the field of, of two 
pairs, two balance wheels combined with a stat. There was nothing, was there was no patent. Yeah, sure. It's a resonance uh, phenomenon. So patent was made. We went to the um, um, Commission for Innovation and Technology from the Swiss wow. government, and we presented them our prototype. We presented the patent, and we presented the the, the CEO um, of the CSCM wrote a letter that they are looking exactly for such applications, you know. And, okay. um, and yeah. so the, the thing got approved. Ninety-five percent got paid thanks uh, to, from the Swiss government of innovation and technology. Oh, group. wonderful! And we were able to to finalize our approach with the CSCM to, because to master resonance, and that's it, I think, François Bonjour got inspired by a pocket watch, did the downsizing um, from a pocket watch in a very small wrist watch. And therefore we have to give him tribute. That was a challenge uh, in the day sure. when he manufactured, mm-hmm. to manufacture his watches. That was a big achievement. There was not many, uh, there was almost no research involved in how, accurate resonance should be, you know, what exactly happens yeah, in the sure. air, micro vibration, so on. And mm-hmm. it was thanks to this collaboration that we, as an Armin Strom, small team, it was just myself and, and, and another watchmaker doing the development parts and a small team in assembling and, and decoration, that we were finally able to improve resonance and maybe to achieve a proper resonance mechanism on a wristwatch and the very first accurate, completely under control built resonance wristwatch. And that was some, that was in 2016 when we launched the watch and it was, you know, we were very proud and we said, you know, wow, we did it, you know, wow. Now everybody would say, oh, you're the cool guys. But no, it was the opposite. It was like, uh, it can't work like this. You know, you broke the it can't work because uh, the stud is moving. So, uh, so we had to convince people that right. innovation to innovate or to bring things further, you sometimes have to break or to be ready to break rules. And we have to break some classical rules to be able to improve resonance. Mm-hmm. That means just a very basic thing. If you take a watch which has two escapements and two balance wheels and you put it on a, on a measure instrument where you can uh, measure the rate yeah rate is based on noise there's a microphone who captures the noise and uh, which sure. says the plus minus two seconds if you have two escapements beating on the same microphone you don't get any result out of it so we had to build laser capture measurements oh, of course. To, yeah. to measure the that what happens in each balance wheel before and how they synchronize. So wow, yeah, a lot of a lot of engineering involved. And then the but the animation itself was so cool and it's so easy to and once you see a resonance watch the two balance wheel beating at the same frequency, the clutch spring moving in between the two balance, it's so obvious how it works. That we had, we said, okay, no, we have to. It has to be on the dial side. We yeah. cannot hide <laughs> the two balance wheel in a classic way. Put them on the back side of the watch. No, it has to be. It has to be built uh, upside down the whole. And then, so because the the clutch spring was ready almost end of two thousand and fifteen, 
But then we said, no, wait, let's change to completely uh, movement uh, architecture and let's bring the two balance wheels on the dial side because it's such a nice animation. It, Absolutely. It, yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. I, I mean, it's one of those things where unle- until you see it, you don't quite, quite believe it. Um, we had a previous guest on a podcast, on this podcast, is it was a clockmaker and a watchmaker called David Walter. I don't know if you know David. So David makes, uh, well, his background is making clocks and he made double pendulum clocks, I think, of the 10 double pendulum clocks made in history, I think, you know, including ones by Jean Vier and Breguet, I think David Walter might have made six of them, other than the 10 or something. <laughs> and I remember he was sort of talking to us about the resonance and how you you needed the pendulum and, and you could see it synchronizing. And there was always sort of this debate or there was a lot of skepticism. And I remember when Francois Paul Jean's watches came out about how they achieve resonance with, inside the wristwatch, you know. How does, and this is for a stupid person like me, how does that occur in, in a wristwatch? Does the the movement of the wrist when people wear it, does that not disturb the synchronicity of the of the residence? Well, it it's, it depends on on how stable and how accurate your resonance environment is, and right. it's actually one of the biggest advantages of our resonance in the wristwatch is that we have one of we, we do have um the one balance wheel turning clockwise and the other one counterclockwise huh? ah. so they work in an opposite direction i see okay. and we have a resonance clutch spring it's a so-called the third frequency which creates this environment of resonance in the okay. maybe the, the, the pendulum uh, the clockmaker explained to you that you have to share the suspension of the two pendulums to bring yes. them in resonance. Yes. So it's a transmission of micro-vibration. Uh-huh. Our, okay. our approach was exactly this approach. So the, the balance wheels, on top of the balance wheel, we have the hairspring. At the end of the hairspring, it's the stud. The stud is like the suspension of yes. the hairspring. And this, the stud is normally fixed in the balance bridge. Huh? So to guarantee that there's and there's always like a pull and push thanks to this natural um, yeah. uh, development of, of the hairspring. So you know, becoming smaller, becoming bigger, yeah, breathing, get yeah, wound and unwound, yeah. breathing exactly. There's a push and pull, and we actually we use this push and pull to create thanks to the flexible suspension and the flexible sus- the, the secret in our resonance is the shape of this of the resonance clutch spring, this flexible uh-huh. uh, uh, um, um, spring moving in between the two balances. Now you have an impact on your watch, like you get a, a shock mm-hmm. on, on your wristwatch. So one of the two balance wheels, the one which turns clockwise, would say they got, he would speed up and the uh-huh. counterclock uh, balance wheel yeah. will slow down. Yes. So no. the fact that they work in an opposite direction and they have their common frequency on the resonance clutch spring, they will automatically bring them to beat again in the same frequency. And this auto compensation is way, way faster than if one balance wheel has to do the whole job by itself, you know, from being too fast to becoming slower or from slower to being faster. And the other one, if they work together and they have a common frequency, so this makes the whole actually more way more efficient if it comes to shock resistance on, on a wristwatch. 
Is that something you can quantify by some numbers? If you say you measure it with, with um, laser technology, um, is there a, can, can you say how much more accurate this is in, in, in average or something? In average, so it's what we figured out is that the movement is by 10 to 15 percent more consistent if mm -hmm. they are in resonance. Or if there, if there, if one movement would just work by its own, yeah. and he gets a second movement who does synchronize with itself, yeah. then the, the 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 two movements uh, they you gain about I would between yeah fifteen and twenty percent in right. all six positions. Ah, exactly. But to, yeah. but to measure a shock impact with a laser, that's we are not. <laughs> that's something which we. Which I do figure out on my on my wrist by wearing my wristwatch, and that's something. Um, my resonance uh, was the very first resonance built, and yeah. I have to say yeah. I lose maybe in between the two balance wheels. I have on the record if I wear the watch daily and I do not take, I don't I'm do a lot of mountaineering stuff. I never take my watch to climbing or. Yes, doing sure. skiing, but <laughs> if I wear it in the office and and and, and, sure. and uh, regular way, yeah, regular way, I would say I'm out of resonance maybe in 30 days for one to maximum one and a half seconds. Oh wow, <laughs> that's insane! That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and would now once again, this is still a question: if you, in theory, added a third movement and a third. Escape. Would that is would the effect be additive? Would you gain more if you had theoretically a third and a fourth resonance movement working together in the same mechanism? Or would um, I think by it has to be the, the, if we would add one more, then we would have two of them turning clockwise, one yeah, of them counterclockwise. So we would have to have pair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you'd need an even number. Yeah, but, but there's more you, advantages. I think if it comes to resonance is First of all, to having and the, the big benefit is to have two movements which beat at the same frequency. Yes. And for now, the animation is very cool to see the, the watch becomes more accurate. But of course, you know when when you we, we have so many ideas by because a lot <laughs> of complication. If it comes to chronographs, if it comes to perpetual calendars, there's always an issue of power. Because yeah, the course. movement, one single movement cannot deliver enough power or to drive a chronograph properly. Yeah, sure. Um, and then if you start to indicate hours and minutes or, or split seconds, it's always a bit, yes. you always lose precision because you take too much torque out of the gear train. Mm. I see the future in resonance not only by adding two or more movements. For me, there is, if it comes to indication and complications, there is a big, big benefit of having two movements, two barrels, two gear trains beating in the exactly same frequency. So as long as they beat in the same speed, it would actually be the easiest split-second chronograph would have if each of them have a chronograph. You start them together and you have a, the perfect built split chronograph. So, ah, of course, yeah. But I think there is more. So the, 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 the researches we do now, Uh, or the, the, the different uh, projects we work on is more to see because for now is we have one time indication um, hour minute second and we use the second movement 
just to make the more movement, the, the first movement more precise. Yes. There's no timekeeping, but the dual time has this double time yes. zone, yes. Um, which is actually the most, I think if I do a watch show, the most people do pick the dual time as the, you know, it's like, oh, oh it's I'm so sure. big. It's yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah, oh, yeah. What's, what's that? Right. What's that? And that makes a great intro to explain resonance, you know, right. two <laughs> movements in one watch. So. But it's cool. No, it's definitely right. resonance for me. It makes just it's it makes so much sense to have, and I couldn't imagine of how good performing resonance finally is. If you master resonance, and I was talking to um, uh, Vianne Halter mm. um, about he's also uh, he worked on several resonance concepts. Uh, he also has now a wristwatch where we where he could um, observe a phenomenon of resonance uh, um, uh, yeah but it's I think there's uh, it's one of the most useful complications mm. in the in the watches I love Turbios. Turbios is yeah I'm a big fan it, anyhow I mean if it comes to movement animation my heart gets uh, well let's get it does beat uh, very fast because it's so nice to see and to see all the parts you know being removed this the three x tourbillon is nicer than a two x tourbillon because it's oh, just yes. so amazing to see oh, yes. Yes. is it better performing <laughs> yes not so much yes 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 yeah. uh, so, uh, well, resonance so does better perform Okay. Yeah, it is really interesting because I mean it's funny you mentioned turbines because I was going to ask you about your opinion on both the tourbillon and the carousel, you know, in the trying to kind of get more accuracy and counterweight of effects of gravity and stuff. I noticed that tourbillon is not a mechanism that, that Armin Strong, at least now, has engaged with. Is that because you think we had, we had actually we had the tourbillon. We were our oh. our second or third built movement was a was a tourbillon. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't realize. Brigade oh, okay. spring. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. But tourbillon is again tourbillon is something which became an animation for many brands. Oh yes, and exactly. There was brand logos uh, built on the tourbillon case. <laughs> sure. There was, but sure. for me, is it if a tourbillon is made well, if it's well educated, if it's well studied, and therefore you cannot build a cheap tourbillon because <laughs> to to master the tourbillon complication again, it needs time. It needs a lot of, in, you have to invest. The watchmaker really, really has to invest to get the best performance mm. out of it. Mm. If you do it properly, uh, it's a very good performing mechanism. I still um, strongly believe in that a uh, 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 tourbillon can make the watch more precise. Um, the purpose is to make the watch more precise. The fact is just we got... Ten years ago, uh, we had too many of them. Too many of yes. them were not built properly. Mm -hmm. They just had this, you know, it was more like a, a moving escapement with the balance wheel in its center. Yes, it's very the, crazy, the, the, yes. the spirit of, of resonance got, uh, the spirit of the tourbillon <laughs> got completely lost. And mm. the, 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 nobody was focusing on performance. Everybody was focusing on brand image, on uh, marketing, on <laughs> uh, having a logo on, on, on the show. Sure. But I well, believe that there's this a very cool. Still believe it's a very very cool complication. Well, well it's funny because you, you, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we went away from kind of those 
you know, precision observatory trials and all of that kind of stuff to very much marketing driven. And I remember there was an era where lots of watch companies came out with, you know, two, three, four turbions in one timepiece all working at a different frequency and all of that. You know, you're right. We went away from that kind of the reason for turbines to exist. Yeah. We just went more towards making it look interesting and pretty sort of thing. Because I think also, you know, when the, I worked for a company who was known for doing crazy complications and it was just the period of time was like, okay, CNC machines got available for small independent uh, sure. watchmakers. We were able to, to to produce our own things. 3D developments uh, sure. uh, were became a standard. So, you know, to add things, that was a, a period. And think if we, 100 years, if we're going to look back, that was <laughs> this area where CNC machines became available. The 3D development was, 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 yeah, was yeah. there. And we could add whatever we wanted, we just sure. added it. Chronograph or sure. two or metal calendar, so everything had to be, you know, it was like 3D Lego. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think <laughs> the trend now is more to is it difficult to make a chronograph? No, it's not difficult to make a chronograph. You can make a chronograph, you open a book, you put it on your 3D software, you take all the, the, the sketches, you have to do a little bit of mass, and the chronograph is done. The question is, how can a chronograph become better? Thanks to the new technology, yes. which we can which we can apply today, and right. this is, I think, the next step uh, for the. I strongly believe that movement, um, good and well made movements, is a bit the future of independent watchmaking. Because same with dec decoration is extremely important, but it's not only decoration. A watch sure. does only not just because having uh, the perfect beveled bridge. The watch uh, should cost you eighty or ninety thousand. I think there should be more watchmaking involved. Now, watchmaking mm -hmm. for me is science of movement, education of movement, and then it also if it comes to case strap dials, everything has it's a full package which has to be. Mm. Which has to be there. Well, I agree, and that's why I find your brand so interesting is because you tackle the really interesting technical challenges like resonance, you know, like constant force, you you tackle the really technical thing, but at the same time, your design is really interesting. Your finishing is really interesting. So you kind of, you do both really well, and it's very rare to get a company that kind of focuses on both, you know. Some companies go pure decoration. It's made beautifully, you know, hand-finished. It's lovely. It's often very classical, but it's not technically interesting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get the opposite. You get something really avant-garde, really technically interesting, but it's not made beautifully. Whereas you, it's I can't think of another mm -hmm. brand, maybe Grubel and Forzi. Grubel and Forzi, yeah, I would say. Kind of that, yeah, that kind of level of work. It's beautifully done, but there is a technical precision that they're trying to pursue. And this is what you are doing at Armstrong, which is an amazing thing to me. That you do it and you do it all in house or 90% or whatever in yeah. house. That's incredible. I mean, that is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is what, for me, this is what all about watchmaking is, you know. I think um, to hire somebody who makes you a, a nice move, you can always go. I mean, there are some classics. If it comes to design, there are some evergreens where 
Of course, you can you can create a nice watch without you know being involved in all those processes. You just hire the Absolutely. best case maker, the best style maker, sure. the best designer, sure. the best movement. But this is why maybe also our design is a little is is unique because I think the design language combines the movement, architecture, the the the, the, the spirit of the brand, and then everything. I think if you understand what the the, the purpose of the watch of the Armin Straw. Mm. The, 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 and, and the finishing is very obvious because you can see the whole movement, you know. Yes, yes. It's I just, very I just went without to see. turning it around because you normal <laughs> normal watches you have to turn around. Then you look at the back, and then it's maybe nicely finished. On your watches, actually, um, the back is not so important because the back is on the front because you see all the important <laughs> parts which are nicely finished next to the dial, and this is something which to me makes the design so so special. You have a backside as well, but you don't really need it because the front is already uh, uh, nicer exactly than the, the backside of most uh, nicely finished watches. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was funny because once a, a journalist asked me, who is your client? And I said, people who are ready to spend more money for a crystal back um they are there this is where our clientele starts you know if they want to see the movement and they're ready to pay more to have a crystal on the back side of the watch mm -hmm. to enjoy the beauty of the movement and if they met their friends they take off their watch and they show the backside to it this is the armin strong customer can i ask one question please um, yeah please uh, or not 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 a real question i would like to talk about one other watch. When I came back from Geneva Watch Day and I looked into Armin Strom, I had a, I found a new Grail watch for me, which uh, which I probably will never own. But I would like to hear more a little about it. A watch where I would say now you've got two times resonance, actually, like Roman asked for in one watch, um, because the minute repeater also has a kind of resonance of the of the sound of the sound springs or how you call them um can you talk a little bit more about that watch because this is for me the yeah the, the grail a resonance movement plus a minute repeater uh what what else can you want <laughs> yeah well it's uh it, it is it's our second masterpiece with the, the minute repeat the resonance uh we launched it uh, for the 10th anniversary of the factory Uh, for, in 2019 and we the mm. annual production is two pieces because yeah. it's extremely difficult it's uh, it was yeah. quite a quite a challenge and that worked um it's a it's a partnership between us and a very close friend of mine uh Alain Schisser. and Alain owns uh, a, a, a company who does is focusing on minute repeaters oh, and wow. I said you know and that's it by One, one day I said, you know, I'm mastering resonance. You mastering resonating watches. Why should we not do something exactly. together? Yeah. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's fine, it's fine. So we should do something. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it took us uh, four years to from when, when I presented the resonance to him to, oh, to, yeah. to come out with, the, with, with our resonance. And then we, the idea was to have both of them, the two balance wheels, And the resonance card spring, the gongs, the hammers, so the chiming of the time, everything visible on the dial side. That's amazing. And the fact that we overlay them, so that means the gongs, they go above the, the resonance clutch spring, even 
shows how precise resonance is because mm. when the when the when the when the watch ah. is chiming the vibrations of the gong do not influence the resonance state of your watch so this is also yeah. a bit a, a proof of how good performing a resonance clutch spring is even if you have you know uh, uh, two, yeah, two yeah. gongs in a different frequency uh, yeah, yeah. swinging above above the resonance clutch and it's skeletonized, wow. which the movement is fully skeletonized. That belongs to our brand history with the sapphire dial. So the, the, yeah. the, the idea was really to have everything visible, uh, three-dimensionally built. I think it's the first three-dimensional bent gongs on the minute repeater. Because oh, from wow. a sound perspective, they have to be linked to the case body. Yes. Yeah. So they're screwed on the base body, but they're visible just under the crystal glass. So... They go from the middle part. We bend them upwards, and then they go. Oh. They, they go around the around the dial. Wow! So it's a very cool. It's That's a amazing. very cool one. Yeah, just looking at the moment. Although they're on the dial side, they're pretty large. I'm um, I'm re interested in resonance because I'm also a hobby musician, and music doesn't work without resonance. So this watch with those both in one, and these relatively large uh, uh, gongs, it's. It's an amazing yeah, it's watch. It's yeah. I don't think there's anything else like that. No. Does each of the minute repeaters sound different? You know, you make two a year. Do they? Is the sound consistent, or does each one sound slightly different? So the fact that we only do two of them sure. uh, does allow us to. The, so if the customer want to be involved ah, right. and so we can work on the sound a little bit wow. you know if it where some of them there's more and the the i'm not too much into uh music but there's different sound level people every person have a different ear sure. and a different preference and mm -hmm. you know some of them they want to have it strong some of them they want to have it a little bit less wow, strong so, and so we right. can we can tune it a little bit that's amazing. That's yeah. It's, no, Klaus, you're right. I mean, we, we we couldn't have not had this podcast and not talked about that watch. <laughs> that watch is insane. It it is absolutely absolutely insane. It's it's very interesting. I I had never thought about a, a three dimensional gong. You're exactly right. They're typically very flat because they mm -hmm. wrap around the outside of the moon. But this one mm -hmm. actually goes. Yeah, that's that's that is that is amazing. So do you have to be careful about the frequency of the vibration of the gong and the frequency of when you're making the watch and the frequency of uh, resonance? Nope. Do they not go in phase and out phase nope. or is it the, nope. the clutch Absolutely. spring control? The clutch spring, the resonance clutch spring is so good performing and right. creates such a stable environment that there's no influence on the, on the vibrations which we create with the resonance, uh, with, the, with the repeater. But the minute repeater does not influence the resonance. So this is just this proves how strong the resonance yeah, yeah. clutch spring works. Amazing, I, I mean, amazing. Um, it's it's a funny that, that the class brought uh, the, uh, you know brought up the, the masterpiece minute repeater. I was going to ask you about the other, probably the complete opposite to that end, which is the one week watch, the one week first edition watch that you made, which. You know, I love a long power reserve watch, so I was always very happy to see a long power reserve watch 
in a catalogue somewhere, but yours is very interesting. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Why did you decide to do that? Because it, you know, because you were doing it at a similar time, presumably to the minute repeat. Mm-hmm. That's completely opposite. <laughs> mm-hmm. The um, so back the one week was the very first caliber we launched in two thousand and nine was a double barrel movement, yes. also called one week. But yes, the one week we just launched in Geneva is a completely redesign of a movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, we have to say it's a sport dedicated watch, um, mm-hmm. so it's it's on a metal bracelet. Um, we had to therefore that it's a different purpose than it was before. So we 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 increased the frequency to have it a little bit more shock resistant than the previous version. Mm. Um, we shrunk a little bit the movement, so the, the movement became smaller and thinner. Yeah, um, this is also this also this maybe more a trend thing, but we really had to to, to shrunk the whole mechanism. Um, the winding system is still visible on the dial side, so when you wind up, you see the tur- two ratch wheels uh, ratch wheels turning. Mm. Um, mm. which normally is, is, is on the back, but for a long power reserve, it's cool because when you wind up, you see really what happens on the watch. And yeah, I think that's, so cool. that's a cool little gimmick. So cool. And the coolest part for me is the power reserve indication. The power reserve indication is not very obvious. So it's not a, a, a single a, a, a hand or a yes. disc or a, yeah. something which we are used to see. The power reserve indicator is completely built in the movement and it's a bit of this fighter so it's a bit our idea was if you know you know if you know where it is you know where the power how to read the power reserve indication and it it belongs to you because it's your watch if you want to share it you can tell your friend how to read it if you if it's the thing you want to have just for you it's just for you so there is above the small second if um, just uh, on top there is a three-dimensional skeletonized cone right and polished and this cone indicates the level of of power you have in your your double uh, barrel uh, mechanism so it's like a like a fuel indicator but it's just three-dimensionally built um so like a three-dimensionally cone it goes from a high section to a low section mirror yeah. polished there's a small dot on the main plate where you can read uh, how much power is on the power reserve indication. And then, because the watch is all about symmetry, the mechanism itself is below the small second. It's driven by a cone system. So there is a right. fully um, polished cone with a ruby um, um, indicator. And so the that's also, that's again, that's watch restoration. Pocket watches got influenced mm. by... Uh, my my indication is influenced by pocket watches, so the the cone is moving up and down, is pushing this ruby um, ball um, either uh, out or, or in, and then indicates there's some transmission of wheels, and then it indicates the power reserve indication. It's very cool. It's actually the first center hand watch manufactured in Armin Strong because all our previous watches ah, right. they were off centered. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. going to so this say the very yeah, first yeah. it's the very first time we have centered hands. Yeah. I'm so glad you we, we talked about this because I find one of the tell signs I find is in 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 when a when a company, particularly a watch company, is dedicated to really in, finding interesting solutions to technical problems of design 
one of the most interesting to me is how does a watch company treat its basic, in inverted commas, or least complicated watch? How do they present that? And it's so interesting to me that, you know, you could have, this watch, the one week first edition could have been made much easier, right? You could have sort of said, it's our sports watch, it's center hand thing, but you chose to kind of put some really interesting design things and technical things into your simple watch. It's so cool. Not only did you focus on the power reserve, but you all said, well, yeah, we can give you a long power reserve. We can give you a week, but we're also mm-hmm. going to do this first thing. Yeah, it's just so clever. It is so cool. So cool. Thank you, thank you. Well, I guess so. So, what's next? I think on the horizon, you know, you, you're exploring gravity equal force. You're exploring resonance. You're doing cool things with power reserves. What, what are the un? Let's use a metaphor. You do mountain climbing. What are the mountains left to climb for you? Do you think? Ah, oh, but if it comes to watches, not the real mountains. So that's the difference. Well, we, can do, we can do both. You know, we, we can talk both. Is there a mountain? Is there a real mountain left to climb for you? Is there is there no, an actual there are, mountain? There are many, many mountains. Um, Which ones? What's what's on the what's on your mountaineering horizon? What would you like to do? Well, I would do all the high four thousand peaks in uh, in Switzerland. Wow, yeah, all of them. But yep. I have done for now. I have done maybe half of it. Wow. Uh, either with skis or with its crampons, yeah, wow. ropes, climbing. So Amazing. Wow. But from a movement, from a watch yes. perspective, which is maybe... Uh, sure. More achievable more or less achievable? <laughs> what will be easier? What do you think will be easier to achieve, the mountains or <laughs> the, the movement? <laughs> I would say maybe... I think sometimes I do need mountains um, to... You know, if you have this... Sometimes my head is fully packed with wheels and and, and mechanisms, yeah, and, you know. And then you want to do a chronograph, you want to do a tourbillon, you want to do this, sure. you want to do a triple, sure. triple resonance, sure. and, <laughs> sure. and then sometimes it's good to be focused on climbing because this is the way how I can, I think, reset my yes. my engineering brain. Because right. if you if you if you climb on a ridge, there is no room to think about wheels yes, or complications. Yes, 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 yes. Otherwise, search will be a bit uh, 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 scary. Well, I, actually, they actually sent me stop putting uh, climbing pictures on Instagram because uh, always when I see them, I get completely nervous <laughs> that I lose my engineer or my business partner. So Yeah, well, at least he cares. That's a good thing. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. just tell him to design a tribute watch at some point, you'll be fine. Uh, yes, <laughs> but I can absolutely understand that you need to be present, yeah, because yeah. it's same, yeah. of course. Wow. But yeah, for next year or the the the, the, the next uh, hot watches, um, which will they will be definitely in the resonance collection. We did a, we were putting a huge effort in System seventy eight is our base collection mm. um, where mm. we have the tribute, the gravity equal force, the orbit, and the one week. That mm. was in the last two years. We really focused on. On, on, on redesigning the collection of, uh, of that the collection looks current and that we offer from a 38 millimeter tribute one uh, classic dress watch to the uh, one week sports watch. Yes. Resonance, yeah. we had previously we had two versions. We had so, the so called pure resonance and the mirrored force resonance. Yeah. The mirrored force resonance got redesigned uh, about the one and a half years ago. Uh, with this smaller case, um, uh, slightly uh, thinner also, completely re-engineered uh, movement. Mm. 
Um, now there is a small size resonance which will be launched next year. Uh, okay. So okay. something around 40, 39 millimeter uh, mm-hmm. resonance. Um, we did a new gear train, new barrels to really shrunk the movement. Right. To also offer it to uh, people who have smaller wrists. Um, different indication. Uh, it will not be the same mirrored force resonance in small. It will mm. be uh, a different, uh, different time indications. Mm. Um, there is a revival of the pure resonance in. We don't. So I would love to do it next year. If I see the orders we have, it will be maybe it will be twenty five. Sure. <laughs> I think it's a cool. It's cool. It's cool to have so many orders. To have back orders for the next uh, one and a half to two yeah, years. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So, you know, as an engineer, it's you know the sales team always like, oh no, no, we have to do do more, do more of this, do more of this. And, no, 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 <laughs> we have to do something new because I had this idea. And then say, oh, but there's so much demand on existing products. Sure. Uh, just push sure. the existing products. But now we agreed on, on, on. Uh, you know, there was this issue with small brands having. Too many. They took too many orders. Delivery time came yes. for three yeah, years. Exactly. Yeah. And we do have a little bit a new approach. We have uh, we do strictly limit our series now the re- the same we did in the past. So it's ten of the, let's say the new tribute one Fume dial version, ten of each color, a total of forty watches. Even if we get hundred and fifty or two hundred uh, people asking for. Yeah. There will be somehow uh, 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 we had to make the decision and allocation for the forty pieces, mm. but they will be delivered next year. And what's next will be announced next year. Maybe sometimes we have to disappoint people, but then they know okay, it's it will not be available. Either I wait or I go for another watch yes. instead of you know saying ah oh, it will be in. 18 months, and then in 18 months, it's uh, two years, in two years, it's two and a half years. Yeah, and, sure, you know, sure. Transparency is... Transparency, is and we say, okay, okay, you, you were lucky, you got one. If you're unlucky, just wait, because there's more exciting yeah. stuff coming. Yeah, 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 for sure. How much watches are you are you delivering at the moment? It's um, It will be 400 watches this year, close to 380, yeah. close to 400. Would actually be yeah. the same number next year, but there is a shift into uh, uh, a little bit more space for resonance because okay. um, we were only doing 80 resonance watches a year because wow. the production, the finishing is on a. We already have a very high standard in System 78. We go the extra two, three percent in. Which we which we offer in the resonance collection is just is almost doubling the time in in, wow. in decoration because yeah wow from a perfect hand beveled edge sure. to an even better yes more Except perfect early, yeah. beveled edge it's you know you have to take the binocular you really have to go <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. to remove to remove the smallest little scratches yeah of but, the, but there is a lot of of course the, the, the resonance is a very collectible watch and uh, there's so much demand so that we said okay we're going to shift a little bit and if we if everything goes the way it should go we can maybe increase to 440 450 watches next okay mm. 
which is still which is still very small. Uh, what's amazing to me is you know you're making 400 watches, but there's quite a few different really interesting collections. So you managed to do this really tricky thing of having really interesting a number of really interesting models as well within the small number. That that's a that's an amazing tribute to you and and in charge of the team. I mean that's amazing. That's amazing to me. So I can only applaud. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Klaus, do you have any questions? I'm speechless. Like I, I, I've been so impressed. <laughs> my my questions have all been been answered, but I would like to make a statement, if I may. Please. Um, just a very small story from the the Geneva watch days we've been this year. Um, we we just went there very naive. We just went there and had a look what's 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 going on. A couple of wrist people from. From the UK, from Australia, we all met in Geneva and, and walked around Geneva Watch Days. And there were many companies which had a very open and nice, warm welcome. There were some companies who said, you don't have an appointment, don't go there. And there was one company which was far beyond everything, which was Armin Strom. We just went onto the boat. Nicholas welcomed us. We had an hour it's, uh, we, we checked all these things without the, with a one-week power reserve, uh, which you only know if you know. I can confirm that that's true, that you can see it. We could see all the, uh, uh, all the finishing on, our, on ourselves with a loop. We, we had the dual time resonance on our wrist, which is actually far easier to wear, although it's quite big than you, you might think from the numbers. And I really want to say thank you. This was really... A great show. Uh, we had another an hour on that boat, which was, um, yeah, one of the best watch experiences I had so far. And yeah, just th say thank you. And this this is a part of your company as well, I think. This way you treat prospective customers. Yeah, definitely. For us, it's the customer experience. The, the you know, four hundred watches is. I would say every customer almost is part of our family. Mm -hmm. And this is for us, it's very important to have a good, a good, a good community with uh, an exchange with uh, that's Geneva watches days. You know, if we want to meet our business partners, we can meet, we meet them anyhow, three times a year. They don't have to, honestly, this is my personal feeling. They are more than welcome to Geneva. We, we also have fun to welcome them in Geneva. But I think the Geneva Watches Days was supposed to be open to watch collectors, mm. watch enthusiasts. Mm. This is the reason we said, okay, let's go on a boat, not in a boring uh, hotel room. <laughs> people can spend uh, exactly. a, good, a good amount of time on our boat because our agents and distributors, if they wanted to meet, you know, like proper business meeting, talking about numbers, we told them, you know, you can go to a hotel you don't need a boat or a showroom to talk right. about annual numbers. You can just yeah. go and drink a coffee and do your meeting somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. It was more like invite people and show them. That's for me, that's all about the future of the watch shows. I think mm. should be that if people commit, we, are, we just saw it in Dubai, you know, if people commit themselves to go to a watch, they should have fun and being able to touch and feel the watches, which they, mm. if you travel to Geneva, that's exactly the purpose to travel to Geneva is to see and explore watches. Yeah. And I remember myself the back in the days in Basel, when all the watches were showcased and you had to <laughs> stand in front of the showcase and say, oh, it's nice, but you know, 
yeah, as a lover, you want to touch, you want to put it on your wrist, you want to see how sure. it feels. And that's it. It's all about those experiences. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. And look, I think just hearing the, the warmth in your voice is wonderful. And just sort of hearing the passion in your voice about how you talk about your creations and how you engage with the collectors who enjoy them. It's a wonderful thing to hear. And it's one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast, and we're very grateful for your time, is I think the more people listen about passionate people doing cool things like you are, that's only for the best. That's only for the strength, particularly of the independence. That's what we like to see. So, Claude, thanks so much for coming in, sharing your, your story and Armstrong with us. I'm really grateful. So really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Well, the only thing we'll left for us to say is, you know, everyone, make sure you check out Armin Strom at arminstrom.com or on the Instagram at arminstrom. Um, it will blow your mind. If you don't know the brand, it will blow your mind. If you know the brand already, hopefully you enjoyed this chat and love the brand even more. So, Claude, Gridler, thank you so much for coming in, chatting to us on Fifth Radio. It's been amazing. Thank you. It was fun. I really enjoyed it.